And now, live and direct to you from the internet, it's another good drop with your hosts, Michael and Stuart. Ladies and gentlemen, sit down, relax, and enjoy the show. Today, we are talking about vermouth. Smooth drink from Italy. She is. Guys, let's get started. Today we're talking about vermouth. Yes, as we said previously, vermouth, uh, it is a fortified wine. Believe it or not. Flavoured with uh, various botanicals and herbs such as roots, barks, flowers, seeds, herbs and spices. It's like the Colonel's original recipe. Yeah, except we can actually find out the recipe for these. Yeah, it's it's not a closely guarded secret like previous herbal beverages that we've talked about. Hmm. Yeah, it was really bugging me how the anisets, we couldn't find anything on how to make them. Yeah, Sambuca is really tight-lipped. Everyone who makes it, really tight-lipped. And of course, you know, the chartreuse, where nobody, like two people in the world, know what's in it. Yeah, that's statistically insignificant. Mm. Just like Finland. Yeah, which basically makes it that nobody (laughs) knows what's in it. Yeah, and, and if anyone who is Finnish is listening... You are significant. You are significant. You matter. We're not saying that you're not, just that, you know, from a statistical point of view, as your population makes up less than 1% (laughs) of global population, and all statistics are accurate to within plus or minus 1%, it is plausible that you don't exist, statistically. Yeah, I bet you exist, because there's some fantastic Finnish metal bands. Yes, there are, and I've met many nice Finns as well. Hmm. So, vermouth is actually the French pronunciation... Like, the word came from the French pronunciation of the German word, Wormwood. Which means wormwood, because the uh, very first, earliest versions of vermouth actually uh, date back to ancient Greece, where uh, Hippocrates macerated wine with wormwood and some other botanicals and spices. And uh, back then the drink was known as a Hippocratical, (laughs) but... It was still the beginnings of the drink and certainly the beginnings of the name. The way you make vermouth is you get wine and then you can... like There's three ways to do it or two ways to do it. You get the wine and then you have your ingredients like your sugar and botanicals. You can soak those, macerate those in the wine and then distill it. Or you can... Uh, or sorry, macerate the botanicals in the wine and then add the distillate to it, the fortification, fortifying drink spirit. Or you can add the botanicals to the spirit and macerate them in the spirit and then add the spirit to the base wine. As well as adding it to a wine, they did also sometimes add it to an unfermented wine must, mm. which would always be a... Uh... A pure alcohol distillate added to a wine must that was usually redistilled after having the macerated herbs and things added to it. Uh, if, if we sound a little slow or tipsy, it's because we are. We are actually, believe it or not, two martinis in. This is yes, us. We're we, on our second martini. Yes, we, we couldn't talk vermouth without drinking martinis. And uh, as you are about to find out, because we're about to tell you, <laughs> martinis actually, well, not just martinis, but vermouth changes its flavour very, very quickly after opening. In fact, it can change as quickly as 15 to 20 minutes from the opening of the bottle. And like good scientists, 
we decided we needed to test this for ourselves. Yes, so after the first martini, we said, okay, we'd best have a second to test how the flavor changes due to oxidization and discovered that it's far smoother and Mm. more complex. Yeah, just like almost every other wine when you let it breathe for a bit or if you decant it properly it mellows out in flavor it that it takes the edge off uh it does yeah so the the drink doesn't bite your face off anymore yeah exactly and um so the the oxidization does still have a big impact obviously not just on uh, not just on the flavor but on how long you can keep it for like uh, as as a general rule it's only good for a few weeks up to a few months, depending on the circumstances you keep it in. Ideal conditions are a tightly sealed bottle in a cool, dark place away from direct sunlight, like a fridge. Like a fridge. So all, all the articles I've read so far have said that two to three months is, the, is a good maximum. If you have it any longer than that, consider getting a half bottle next time. Yeah, though potentially if you have a wine pump and thus can minimize the amount of oxygen that actually enters the vermouth bottle, Mm. you can keep it longer. Very, very true. But then that's getting into uh, specialty equipment. Yes, specialty paraphernalia. That's the word. Which uh, even, you know, I don't have a wine pump. I still can't believe that. You're like, you're the wine man. I I have a lot of wine, but if I open a bottle, I'm drinking it. (laughs) That's, it's not going to need to be, like, I'll open it, I'll leave it sit, I'll let it breathe, and then I'll drink it. It's not going back anywhere, it's it's emptying that that day. Yeah, okay, that's fair. You open it to drink. Wine is best shared, might I add. That is a good point, Mm. which is why we are both drinking martinis. (laughs) Yes, yes, indeed. Um, the other flip side of this is we weren't sure whether or not the drinks were tasting nicer because we'd already had one and therefore were tipsy. So I got my partner to try it and she said, yes, it does taste a little bit smoother. Mm. Now we know. Now we know. And knowing is half the battle. Knowledge is power. Knowledge is power. Very true. Which is why we're here informing you guys, dear listeners. Yes, so uh, since we've talked about the ancient Greek origins of vermouth... The ancient uh, Hippocratical? Yes, the Hippocraticals. <laughs> let's continue on to mention how uh, over the years ingredients such as almonds, cinnamon and honey were added. And uh, pharmaceuticals even aromatized the wines by uh, grinding herbs and plants and uh, adding them to the wines. And uh, that art of adding additional flavors uh, was kept alive over the years by monks, doctors, and alchemists during a time when uh, vermouth was considered to be a medicine. Believe it or not, not very long ago either. I believe it was considered a medicine up until the 17th century. Yes, indeed. And in fact, uh, modern vermouth as we know it today was created in Milan, Italy in 1786 by uh, Antonio and Benedito Carpano. And uh, Yeah, we've got plenty of history on that one. Yeah, although it is um, its earliest commercial success is thought to have been in 1838, and that's attributed to the brothers Luigi and Giuseppe Cora, mm. who uh, kind of gave it a big push yeah, so in the late 1700s, uh, Luigi Marandazzo, or Marandazzo? Probably Marandazzo. That one. Mm. Uh, he started a distillery and elegant bar offering aromatized wines. Sounds like wines of a similar style to what vermouth is. Uh, his assistant and successor, Antonio Bened- Benedetto, 
Capano. He concocted a new blend, which he called vermouth, in 1786. Uh, he made it from white wine from musk. Moscato grapes, and a blend of 30 or so botanicals. And when Capano's nephew inherited the bar, he officially branded it Capano. 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 And he labelled the bar as well, so it's Capano, the Capano bar. Uh, It is... Or it was located in the Piazza Castello, uh, and it was a famous meeting spot for artisans and politicians, but unfortunately, it was destroyed in World War II. Oh, that is a shame. Yeah, apparently it was a a gorgeous place full of ladies, actually. Oh, right. It's apparently really, really popular with the ladies. So there we go. Vermouth and martinis, popular with the ladies. Yeah. So that's the the brief history of it. Yes, a a very brief history. So let's, uh, I suppose, talk about uh, more of how it's made. So it's it's always made using white wine. Um, Even, Even the red and dark varieties... It's still made with white wine, but they use caramel flavors or burnt sugar or botanicals to give it different colors. Yeah, absolutely. And there are a a wide variety of them uh, in existence. And you've got your standard dry and sweet. Mm, They're the base varieties that I've found uh, in my little bit of research. Uh, Everything else seems to be a almost a subcategory of the of three different varieties you've got your uh you've got your dry white you've got your sweet white and you've got your uh sweet red yes indeed and uh of course they get those flavors through using different botanicals different herbs and things and uh your dry vermouth generally contains chamomile the uh, sweet white has vanilla gentian is in the red and uh Rhubarb, iris, quinine, and uh, hundreds of other herbs are used within the the varieties to give them their distinctive flavors. So the main variety, main versions you'll see today are the extra dry, the dry, bianco, d'oro, rosato, and rosso. Uh, Extra dry, or dry being the original Italian version, uh, extra dry, no, no, I'm wrong. Bianco is the original Italian version. Dry is the original French version. Extra dry is the American version because the Americans, when it was brought into the US, they preferred a more milder version of vermouth than the standard European dry. Uh, We've got Doro, which is a golden variety, and Rosso, which is the dark version. Mm. And uh, across all of the different varieties, the uh, alcohol content is usually between 16 and 19%. Mm. So not actually particularly strong. It's used to water down other stronger yes, drinks. It, it is frequently used as an ingredient <laughs> in cocktails uh, such as the Negroni, the Buneloni, the Americano, the Campari 2000, the Manhattan, the Rob Roy, and of course the Dry Martini, which is what mm. we are drinking. Or even the Vodka Martini. Yeah, which has vodka instead of gin. Mm, because everybody knows the story about the shaken, not stirred. Yes, and uh, we will go more into that in our martini episode. Mm. There's just too much on martinis to include in here, to roll it in. Even though vermouth and martinis' history are closely intertwined. Yes, but, uh, yeah, so, so many types of martini, so yeah. much history, so much story behind each type of martini that we, we just couldn't cram it all in here mm. to and do be so, satisfied. Yeah, to do so would be an injustice. 
Yes, indeed. Yes, mm. indeed. So, we are drinking uh, Noeli Prat, which I've butchered the pronunciation for, but it is the first French brand. Of vermouth, because traditionally, of course, as we said, it was Italian. Mm. And then it moved to France, and in fact, now it is also made in Spain, England, and America. Yeah, I'm sure they make it here too. Yeah, the the majority of vermouths still come out of France and Italy. And Italy, yeah. Well, with names like Martini, Capano, uh, not Noeli Prat, uh, Cinzano. Yeah, so they're they're still the biggest brands in in vermouth, and of course, the Martini brand is so well known because of the drink. Of course. Now, what came first, the brand or the cocktail? Well, the cocktail, obviously. <laughs> the cocktail came first. The cocktail is old, but we won't get into that now. No. No, very important that we not get into too much about the cocktails. It's so hard, though, because they're so close. They they run parallel paths. They do. There's blurred lines, much like that popular song. No, nothing like, nothing like that popular song, because I'm sure the... Uh, creation of the martini was consensual between the two drinks. Yes. Well, <laughs> it's, it's entirely possible that the gin wanted no part of it, but the vermouth just wasn't going to take no for an answer. Yes, admittedly, gin and vermouth do go so well together that you yeah. know you know their friends were supportive of, of that happening. <laughs> well, they go very well together in what we're drinking today, which, as we said before, is a classic martini. Yes. I've made it today with Two parts gin and one part vermouth. Mm, and we will go into more detail on the many variations of that. Mm. I decided to make a uh, martini today because it is a famous way of drinking vermouth and one of the few ways that I know of to drink vermouth. Yeah, generally one does not drink vermouth straight. No, but you can drink it on the rocks. You can. Mm. Um, but it is not very common to. So I made us a couple of martinis, and uh, I used the Bombay Sapphire Gin because it was the one we've had before on our gin episode. Mm, and so it's a good gin. We... It, it's a good gin, but we recognize the flavor so we can better tell uh, how the vermouth adds to to the gin. Yeah, and um, it, it's very uh, evident the different, uh, say, notes... That mm. you get to it, it's... The tasting notes. Yes, the the tasting notes. I'm just going to roll about on the palate a bit. Yeah, the vermouth certainly, it adds a bit more bite to the gin than the gin originally had. It doesn't smooth it out or dull it down the way tonic does when you have a gin and tonic. Yes, if, I would, I'd agree with that. If anything, I would say it enhances it. Yeah, it's like, uh, yeah, it just adds more of the same, more of what's good for it, and uh, removes some of the bite that you'd expect from a straight spirit. Yeah, now we, we have garnished with lemon, which is, of course, going to alter the flavour somewhat. Mm, as, well, it's a traditional martini. Yeah. Which has a sli- is traditionally served with a slice, with of, a slice lemon. of lemon. yes. But yeah, it's good. It's really, really nice. So a vermouth is required to be 75% wine, 25% sugar and botanicals and alcohol, or required to be at least 75% wine. Yeah, so they can use more, but they can't but use they less. they cannot use less, yes, indeed. So the white, always white, and usually the same type of grape, I believe. 
I'm sure they use different types of uh, white grapes because the sweet sweet vermouth uses different grapes to the dry vermouth. Well, and of course the rosé, they would use different grapes because... They'd still it's... use... It's still a white wine. Oh, yeah, it's still a white wine, but mm. it's, it's based on a different type of white wine. Yeah, it's designed for a different palate. Yeah, so let's, let's talk about our top drop because what we're drinking now is our good drop. Our top drop is a uh, traditional recipe, actually. The... Antica Formula Vermouth. It is made by Capano, and it is the original formula that they made in in 1786. So, like what uh, Chartreuse do with their original recipe, they decided to bring it back for for those uh, people who love the vintage. Yeah, for... <laughs> for the hipsters of the vermouth world. Yes, the the hipsters, and I suppose the dedicated. And because it's what made vermouth famous. Yeah, and it, it's a flavour that doesn't really exist anymore. Hmm. Except it does in uh, in this fantastic bottle here, which is called... It's called Antica, I believe. I'm, I have no idea of the pronunciation. I'm just reading it as as written. Hmm. And uh, yeah, for, for a top drop, it is it's expensive for a vermouth, but still very reasonably priced compared to some of the other things we've had as our top drop. Yeah, it is... Uh, $50 a bottle from our favourite bottle shop. Yeah, which is uh, not not bad at all. We nearly had one. Yeah, um, but because it is a sweet vermouth, it wouldn't go well in a martini. It's certainly not a dry martini. No, it would have been better in a Manhattan. Yes. And I don't have the other ingredients for a Manhattan, so that there, there is a problem there. The Capano Antica, Antica Formula... Uh, first created in 1786 is an authentic Italian vermouth recipe and one of the first vermouth vermouths ever made. Uh, made from white wine, Moscato, Mus- Muscatel and rich wines from southern Italy. Produced in limited quantities with expert craftsmanship. Traditionally served straight as well as chilled as an aperitif or used uh, used to transform a common Manhattan cocktail or as a key ingredient in a Negroni. Mm. So it is not the sort we would use in a dry martini. No, but I was this close yeah. to getting in. <laughs> yes, and uh, potentially maybe... Uh, I mean, a, a Negroni would be nice. I've not had one in a very long while. Mm. I don't think I've had one ever. Mm. ever. But... I haven't had a Manhattan either. I think we need to do... Uh, episodes on all these classic cocktails well and eventually we will listeners we will in fact do more specific because we've we've done we know you've listened to it our broad episodes on cocktails our broad episodes on gin on beer on wines and of course our cocktail two-parter yeah which we just covered off everything and we we are going to break that down down the track we just we thought that going broad to start with was a good base because when you're learning something you got to start general yeah and then get more specific and more specific until eventually we're talking about one specific type of cocktail like the manhattan so when was the first time you heard about vermouth mickle oh that would have been uh, back when i was doing my uh Studies to become a barman. A barman? Way, way, way back in 2003, I think it was, when I became a wow. bartender. Holy shit. Yes, when I when I learned, I had a big, thick book that I had made for myself of, for different cocktail recipes. And nice. of course, there were many a martini recipe in there, mm. and much vermouth was called for. 
much vermouth. The my the first time I heard about vermouth, it was from my dad because he loves a martini. He has he drinks dirty martinis with the uh, you know gin, vermouth, and uh, olives. Mm, and if you like olives, why not have a dirty mm. martini? Yeah, precisely. And I after having this classic martini, I can see how having olives or olive juice in there would add to the flavour. Oh, yeah. I mean, if you like the flavour of olives, then adding that extra bit of... Yeah, the extra tang, the extra yeah. aroma, the... Mm. Yeah, it, it's going gonna, it's gonna to change the game. It's going to be one of our drinks on uh, martini night. I think it has to be. Yeah. Yeah, yeah my, my dad's English, so he drinks all these English drinks like sherry and uh, martinis... And uh, what else does he drink? Gin. gin. Definitely gin. He he was a he's the first the reason I know about Bombay Sapphire because there's a he found a or somehow I think he um, was given it at work uh, one of those creeper vines and um, he, we didn't have anything to put on it so we and at that same time he just happened to have a empty bottle of Bombay Sapphire so he put the roots in in that and this. Vine sort of survived on the top shelf of the liquor cabinet for a while. Right. Gin vine. Yeah. Uh, Bombay Sapphire bottle as a vase. Hmm. Very nice. And that's... that's tra- I don't know. Yeah. The traditional vine, ladies and gentlemen. Not not a six-second <laughs> video, but actually a vine growing out of a bottle of Bombay Sapphire. Yeah. I don't know. It was a story I thought of. All right, Mickles. So, since we're nearing the end of the podcast, how many bottle caps would you rate this drink? Right. I uh, think I would have to give the dry martini, since I've not drunk the vermouth straight or on the rocks. I can't rate it by itself. So, the dry martini, I'm going to give it, uh, I think, eight and a half bottle caps. Eight and a half? That's quite high. Eight and a half, yes. It's just a very pleasant beverage. Uh, I'd probably give it a six and a half to seven. Because I, I thought it was okay, but it's very, very strong, uh, probably because of the way I've made it. Um, but it took a while to get used to it. I guess if I was more uh, inclined for this kind of drink, then I'd give it a higher rating. Mm, I'll admit it has uh, it has some very strong flavors, mm-hmm. and the uh, the second one where the vermouth had breathed for a while. Yes. Was was definitely, I think, the superior beverage. Mm. So maybe if you decant it like a a wine, you might find that it's a nicer drink. Yes, indeed. But that's a shitload of vermouth to drink in one go. Yeah, you don't want to. You don't want to drink it all at once. No, <laughs> you you want to pour one or two, maybe. Unless what? you're having a martini party. Oh, yeah, a martini party, actually. Yeah, sounds like a good time. That sounds like a good idea. Mm. Maybe we should do one of those for our martini episode. If we can work out the audio. If we can work it out. Without, you know, too much background <laughs> noise and hubbub. We'll have a we'll have a pre, pre-party podcast. That could work. Yes, we, we certainly shouldn't have a pre-podcast party. <laughs> that, that wouldn't go well. No, I don't think so either. All right, that's it, ladies and gentlemen. So be sure to tune in next time when we talk about Jägermeister. Yes, we are looking forward to this one. It's uh, it's a popular drink with an interesting story, and uh, we think you should look forward to it too. The partiest of party drinks. Stay tuned for a round of cheers. <laughs> 
Yes, indeed. And, uh, of course, if you've got anything to add to this episode, if you've got experiences with vermouth or vermouth-based beverages that you'd like to share with us... Yeah, if we've missed anything, let us know at agooddrop at gmail.com. Check us out on our website, agooddrop.com.au. We're on Facebook. At uh, A Good Drop Podcast. And uh, we're also A Good Drop Podcast on iTunes. Of course, we're a good drop on Podbean as well. Yeah, we're a good drop on your favorite RSS feed viewer. Yes, and uh, do tell your friends about us. Share the share the love, spread the news, and until next time. Cheers. cheers.